following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Do you remember renting movies from a local video store? The perfect video store. Welcome to Blockbuster Video. Is popping up all over the country. Do you remember owning membership cards, dealing with late fees, and driving to several stores for the latest release? Right now, rent Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Cobra for just a dollar a day each. Then sit back and listen to the stories of the men and women who were on the front lines of video stores in their heyday. Friendly people, fast computerized checkout, free membership, and all our rentals are for three days, two nights. This is Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. Season 2, Preview Episode. Hey there, and welcome to the kickoff episode for Season 2 of Rental Return, Tales from the Video Store. If this is your first time pressing play on the podcast, this is the series where we interview former video rental store employees about their stories from working in the establishments that gave us access to the magical world of home media. I'm your resident videophile, Adam, and with me as always are Jason from the Retro Network. Hello. And Chad Young from Horror Movie Barbecue. Hey, hey, I'm sorry, Jason. I'm a little distracted by that WrestleMania 5 promotional standee on the counter here right next to the <laughs> top trading cards. Oh, but this is a, the introductory episode that is meant as a primer for the amazing lineup of video heroes we have giving us insight into this lost but not forgotten cultural experience that we all treasure deeply. And so we're going to talk about it, let the nostalgia flow, and hopefully that gets you excited for what is to come. So first off, as we always like to do, you know, Chad and I are longtime VHS collectors. Jason seems to also recently have caught the bug as well <laughs> through participating in the show. So we're going to talk about our three most exciting VHS finds over these last few months as we've been preparing the show. So Chad, why don't you kick us off with your first tape? Ooh, oh, boy. Well, I'll tell you, um, and I do have a horror story to tell you guys too, Ooh. but uh, I don't know if you want to hear it now or you want me to tell it in a little while. Sure. Why the hell not? I'll just get it out of the go way. For so it, there was a, go for it. So there was a Facebook ad for, um, old guy that was getting rid of all his tapes and uh you know he had all these tapes and he they were like a buck or like whatever each and i'm looking at the listing and he's got a copy of wrestlemania uh five uh four no i'm sorry four yeah because it was the double tape and i message him and i'm like hey you know i'm interested in that tape could i come by and just kind of go through everything he's like sure i'll put this tape aside so I get there, I'm going through tapes. I, I've got about 30, 40 tapes that I'm bringing home. And then I'm like, all right, how much? And he says, uh, give me 25 for all the tapes plus 50 for the WrestleMania. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? What? Whoa. So here's where it gets fun is that WrestleMania four tape. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but it's a double tape and you open it up and it's in the middle is like a pop-up of Hulk Hogan. Well, this oh, guy wow. only had one tape. And he's telling me how his daughter looked it up on eBay and it was going for $50. And I was just like, look, I'm hungry. I'm tired. I've been digging in the, in the, in, in this guy's <laughs> garage for tapes. I'm just not going to bother. So he kind of got upset with me that I didn't buy it. So that, that was, that's my most exciting story. But since we've uh, wrapped up season one, my first tape that I am going 
to mention is do you guys remember the movie destroyer with lyle zeta oh yes yes oh i found it at a flea market and i already loved this movie but (laughs) unfortunately i didn't have a copy of it so i was able to kind of grab it with a a lot of other tapes and uh it's sitting right on my shelf and it looks fantastic (laughs) i mean it's in great shape it's a i I think it's a virgin vision uh tape which was a lot of those tapes were just kind of like weirdo low budget stuff you know but yeah that's uh that's the first tape of the season that i got this year that uh i was just like oh my gosh I, i i i mean just i mean my luck finding this was just yeah. oh like and then i found it on blu-ray and then i was like oh, i'll just buy it on this <laughs> <laughs> the competition is fierce these days so it's, it's, i'm glad it, you found that yeah indeed i mean someone else would have gotten it i guarantee you. how about you jason well i found a couple oddball tapes that i'll tell you about but the first one i wanted to share is a franchise of the 80s and early 90s, I guess, that is well-beloved by me and by many. And it had a cartoon series that I never, I don't know if it just missed me. It was on at a time when I'm watching something else. But I found Police Academy, the series, Volume 1. Wow. (laughs) Which uh, has, I think, two episodes on it. It missed me altogether. I know they made even uh, toys based on the animated series but this tape i think came out in 1990 the series was around the 88 or 89 range 89 okay so and then it uh, kind of bled into like i think 90 or 91 such a glorious cover it just kind of pops it's the sleeve is yellow and then they have that uh <laughs> just all the the characters on the front cover uh with tackleberry hanging from a uh <laughs> hot air balloon or something that high tower is holding anyway was happy to find that tape i think it was a buck at one of my local antique malls very nice uh, honestly that's that's a series that doesn't really get talked about and can i be honest jason like obviously like that was my first exposure mm-hmm. to police academy because honestly i was way too young for uh oh i was too yeah <laughs> yeah so i my my gosh my mom would have never let me watch the police academy movies at like age seven but I could watch a cartoon and, you know, right. admire. I, I didn't have the toys, but my one friend got one one uh, birthday and he got all the police academy toys, including the uh, police precinct. Okay. Kind of, if you look at it as a kid, I kind of thought it was a repaint of the, uh, the Ghostbusters firehouse. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah. And honestly, like you look at it now and I'm just kind of like, man, I could probably paint that. I'd rather have that. And, <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. just kind of painted into the Ghostbusters firehouse, to be honest, because it has a lot more going on. Yeah, my buddy had a, a shoebox full of the police academy toys, and I was so jealous of his Zed on yes! the skateboard, and the, the pants one... would fall down, and he had the boxer shorts on. <laughs> I mean, it cracked me up. I saw, I think it was Jonesy and a couple of the other ones at RetroCon this year, and I was tempted. But like I said, yeah. my nostalgia is primarily for the later movies. Please mm-hmm. give me six is my favorite one out of them all, <laughs> uh, just because I've seen it so many times and it was more uh, kid friendly by then. I think that one was only PG, whereas, you know, I know the first one was rated R and I don't know if some of the other sequels were R until they changed it to more of a PG or PG 13 rating. So, yeah, is that that's the Miami one, right? 
Uh, six is uh, City Under Siege. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm thinking of five. I'm thinking of yeah, five. Yeah, where but, you get but... uh, Bigfoot and uh, it's just craziness. Bigfoot? Yeah, big, they drive Bigfoot through the town. It's great. <sighs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, I've never seen that one, but honestly, so this is probably what, 80, 80, 88, 89 or so? I think so. Late 80s, okay. early 90s when six came out. So I can already picture... It considering how 80s comedies looked, I can already picture that scene. And I feel like if I was to watch it, I'd just be like, yep, it's everything I imagined. Yeah. Captain Harris at his finest and Jonesy and yeah. Was, Didn't ha- you know, Gutenberg was out by then, but it's still yeah. fun and you still get Tackleberry and Hightower and, you know, their individual personalities. And they have this gang that they're fighting, this criminal gang. And in the gang, there's like their counterpart. So there's this big ox guy that's Hightower's rival, you know. Mm-hmm. There's this other guy that uh, him and Jonesy go after each other with uh, Japanese subtitles and, you know, all kinds of kung fu and stuff. And uh, it's just fun. It's fun. Nice. All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. Go for uh, it. So this time around, this is a little bit of continuity from season one of Rental Returns. So one of our... Uh, most exciting people that we got to talk to that time around was Amanda Stefaniak, who grew up, literally grew up in a video store because her parents converted their stationery store into a video store and then became this huge, like, volumes and volumes of tapes that they had. And so I, I stayed in touch with her, you know, after the show, and she was digging through their storage unit and she found some of her dad's old video store, you know, memorabilia that survived. And what she sent me nice. was a promotional kit, a full cardboard box from media home entertainment. Oh. oh. And so it's amazing. It had like booklets, it had posters, it had all oh. the different promotional items. But the main movie that they were promoting at this time was called Program to Kill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which is, it basically looks like, you know, Sandal Bergman, who is from Xanadu. That's what I know her from. She's mm-hmm. a dancer in Xanadu. <laughs> but she is like a female Terminator when you look at it. That's basically what happens. The CIA programs her cybernetically to be this killing machine, whatever. So I had had that, that whole kit. I thought it was so cool. Like the poster is gigantic. It's the poster they wanted you to put up in the window of your video store. And it's just her whole holding up this automatic rifle, you know? So I said, I finally, I got to get this tape. So I finally found it and added it to my collection. So now I can have both all the promotional materials and the tape together (laughs) as they would have been in the video store. So that was just super exciting to me to finally kind of complete that. And that the fact that it came from doing the show even better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, Chad, Mm -hmm. what else did you find? Well, first and foremost, I got to ask, you know, media, and I'm sure we'll get into a discussion about media, but were there any Nightmare on Elm Street pieces in that collection that you got? No, I, I think this was uh, not during that month that they oh, were okay. promoting the latest Nightmare on Elm Street release. Oh, Although, okay. thanks to you, I do have mm-hmm. those tapes in my collection. You do. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And speaking of Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, not directly related, but guilty by association, I found a copy of Friday the 13th. Part? <laughs> Uh, Friday the 13th part five I think yeah it's part five it's got that iconic I don't know why it took me so long to remember that but it's (laughs) right over there um it's got that iconic uh cover of Jason's mask and there's like lights coming out of it and Mm -hmm. you know I think that we all 
if you grew up in the video store era, you definitely remember that image. Friday the 13th Part 5 was not the most beloved. There was a while that I just didn't like Friday the 13th and I didn't really appreciate it. Obviously, that has changed in recent years and uh, I can appreciate it for what it is now. But even then, this was always, a you know, one of the movies I liked because it was so different and so weird. It's, it's not really dependent on Jason. It's it's the kids in a uh, like a halfway house. And it's it's, it's really different. You know, it, it takes a little left turn from the rest of the series. But finding it for 79 cents at, uh, yes. you know, I wasn't going to turn that down, even if I just use it as a Halloween decoration. Yeah. Definitely worth your money, man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jason, what's next up uh, on your shelf there? Okay, so uh, confession, these next two picks are not on my shelf. I just, uh, they're weird. I, I had to take a picture of them, and I'm sure they're still there where I took the picture of them uh, because they're not like, uh, you know, rare or anything. But so I found this tape. It's called aurora river of light in the sky it's uh, and i looked at the cover and you think of like the aurora borealis in you know up in alaska and the northern hemisphere and i was thinking okay so this is like a tape that just shows the lights and has some kind of ambient music you know behind it and it's almost like a fish tank video or something you know where you just but no it's actually uh i found it on youtube i came home and looked it up and it actually takes you through the the lights, the history, the science behind it, and the history of the Eskimo culture and all that stuff. Well, so, what's uh, crazy, I, I'm in Montana now these days. Aurora uh-huh. Borealis is happening tonight, and I cannot see it because we have heavy, heavy cloud cover. Oh, no. And uh. so our whole family's like, oh, we were going to watch the Northern Lights. <laughs> oh, we can't. But yeah, it's just got that... Uh, ambiance about it no oh the aurora barely alice and seeing that tape and i'm just thinking what in the world is going to be on this thing but i could put a link in the show notes if you want to watch it on youtube is Uh, this the one with a moose in the there's like a silhouette of a moose yes there's like uh it shows the it's like a dark cover and it's got, the, I think, the silhouette of the moose and the, it, the lights It in the looks background. like an alien invasion movie. Yeah, it does. It's The, the cover what does, the, yeah. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? And you know what it also looks like is it looks like it would be set to um, Life in a Northern Town or what is it? <laughs> that, that song I hate? Yeah. Yeah. So. Hey, na, na, na. Oh, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. So that was, you know, there's certain covers like that that kind of stick out to you and you're like, what in the world is this? You know, it's mm-hmm. not movies because you mm-hmm. typically you find VHS is you're like, it's digging for finding movies, but I'm looking for stuff that's not movies too. Anyway, your turn again, Adam. All right. Well, this time around, you know, speaking of stuff that isn't movies, that is just bizarre. I picked up this tape. This is something that is just so 90s, it's hard to escape. It is called Beyond the Mind's Eye, a computer animation. I have that. Mm -hmm. I have it. Yes. That tape. Now, I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off, but I remember, I think it was like in the local record shop or something. They would play it on loop. Yeah, Yeah. They would play it on loop on the TV screens. You're like, 
what in the world is this? And it's got all that 3D imagery that real early, you know, uh, yeah, metallic people melting into yeah. each other. Oh and gosh, it's, just it's like, so great. It's the it's the best part of the lawnmower man, right? Yes. But it, but it's just all that. <laughs> yeah. So it, I was so excited to find that because you know I have like my my video fish tank and I have all these other you know oddball <laughs> things just like that. This just fits perfectly in that genre of just like an experience tape. You call it, I guess. Like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. All right. It's like Chad. something you get high oh. and watch. Let's be yeah. honest. Yeah, uh, absolutely. absolutely. That's what yeah. people are buying it for. Mm-hmm. Chad, you got one more. Oh, do I ever? Um, well, this is going to be not just one tape, but it was a trip to the video store that was extremely generous. My wife and I just went to a, a little restaurant on a date, and I don't know why she agreed, but she said, hey, you know, let's go to the thrift store. And I said, what? Why? So I took full advantage, and we went into the thrift store. And that's usually very dangerous. So, you know, the fact that she agreed to it was just incredible. I go in and I'm looking at a photo of the entire finds that I found that night. I found a copy of Nightbreed. I found a copy of Wanted Dead or Alive with Rutger Hauer and yes. um, Gene Simmons. The Magic Sword with Basil Rathbone. Meatballs 3. <laughs> they made the a three? three. Yes. And I wish it was Meatballs 2. I really do. Is Corey Feldman in three? He's in four. Oh, four. Okay. Yeah, that was like where the budget, like budget was just not even exist, not existent. <laughs> I found Batman 89, which, you know, I left behind because I've already got one. I found The Brain, which I don't know if anyone's, have you, have you guys ever? No, what is that? It's a weird movie about a mutant alien brain. It was made in the 80s, but it was very like, if they had made it in like 1957, it would have been an episode of Mystery Science Theater. Oh, uh, okay. And it was it's 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 just a weird movie. So then the main two tapes, I think people will know this that I love these two movies. Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night Two. Woohoo! Just watched and, it last night. Oh, did you love it? Oh, I still love it. Yeah, <sighs> you turned me on to it every year now. It's a tradition. Oh. I love it. It's one of my top five, if not top three horror movies of it's all time. It's so entertaining. It. It's so good. Yeah. The fact that people, ha- there are people out there that, you know, look, it's it's available on like every streaming channel. Yeah. If you haven't watched it by now, do it. Check it out. And the last tape, uh, Adam, can you guess what the last tape was? Oh, I, I mean, there's so many possibilities. Lay it on The me. Wizard. Woohoo! Yes. Wow. <laughs> how, many, how many copies have you purchased in your life at this point? Are we including DVD and Blu-ray? Yeah, might as well. Probably close to eight. Wow. Just across the board. And if I if now here's where it gets really fun about these tapes. Open them up, you know, just to check, like, you know, we all we we're all making sure that the tapes are there. It's the right tapes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Uh-oh. They all have mold. Uh. <laughs> but I know people that can fix that. And honestly, I just wanted a copy of some of them to display on my shelf. So I was just like, you know what? I'll take the loss. I'm never going to find these again, good or bad. It doesn't matter. So, you know, I just brought them home and I have one friend that's kind of fixing them. So Nice. Good to have the hookups. Yeah. 
All right, Jason, what do you got for us? <laughs> so uh, those of you who know me personally, <laughs> I work for a company and I'm in the mailing department. So have you ever received a video postcard back in the day? Oh, oh no. <laughs> I never did oh. either. But, you know, you think about the time when Columbia House was big and BMG mm-hmm. and you would order movies and they would come in the mail. And usually it was in a larger box protected, you know, so mm-hmm. it would preserve the tape inside. Well, I'm in the thrift store and I see this. It looks like a postcard on one side of the cover. And it's for uh, Thomas Kincaid paintings. It was a video postcard of his latest painting for like their top clientele, I guess. And they literally, you look at the thing, there's no protection or anything. It's like they shipped (laughs) a VHS tape in the mail with just a slip cover and expected (laughs) it to play when it got to its final destination. (laughs) Maybe mail carriers were more delicate with the mail back in the day. Because if you've ordered anything off eBay recently, you know that's not the case. (laughs) Just the the concept of it was enough for me to be like, wow, this is fun. And those videos are on, you can look up like Thomas Kincaid video postcard on YouTube and find them. They're like short six to eight minute videos. And it's this lady that is, uh, you know, talking about the latest painting and he's on there showing different parts of it whatever and on the back like where the postcard would be is a well it looks like handwriting but it's uh you know printed to everybody and but it looked like it was signed by the the gallery dealer or whatever you know like you're my one of my favorite i can't remember what all it said on the the actual postcard (laughs) but this is like my gift to you and since you're one of our valued clients you know here's a uh, the first look at thomas kincaid's latest painting Oh my gosh. So, wow. Sign me up. Yeah, no kidding. But I just, it's amazing that they would send it that way and not protect it a little bit more, you know, because well. there's postage right on the, the back cover, you know. Ooh. They sent it. It's crazy. It's so neat. It's like though. late I love 90s. That piece of history. Yeah. Yeah. Late 90s when those were going out, from what mm. I can uh, find. Well, uh, my last bit here is a, a little bit of a, a double feature, only because. One of them, you know, a lot of times I, I'm I'm not somebody out there looking for the big value tapes. That's mm-hmm. not what my fancy is. My fancy is, oh, this is weird, or I didn't know this existed, or you know, if I get a hit of nostalgia. But this first tape here, Heathcliff the movie. Oh, Heathcliff wow. the movie from KVC Home Video but also Clubhouse Pictures. Mm. Now, this is something I didn't know existed. Obviously, I watched the TV cartoon, you know, for mm-hmm. many, many years growing up. Love the theme song, all this stuff. This is from 1986. And, uh, but yeah, so I did look it up. Apparently, it is just a couple of episodes crammed together without mm. the Cadillac cats, you know? So oh. it's just like, you just get the Heathcliff segments. But still, I just thought it's such a funny thing that they used to do back in the day. Be like, hey, this cartoon you watch, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and rarely was it like Transformers, the movie or something, you know? Right. I didn't know that existed until I think earlier this year. And they actually released it to theaters. Oh. And, I want to say it might be on YouTube or someplace like that, someplace streaming for free. I'd imagine, yeah, because it's like it's not the only thing that's different is like when you watch it, it does, you know, 
you should realize we can't win it with you. And then it says Heathcliff, the movie, yeah. instead of just Heathcliff. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. It's on YouTube. I just okay. found it. So Fun, anybody fine. wants to check that out. But the other one here, this was a true animation odyssey or oddity, uh, depending on how you think about it. When I found this tape, it is in a white clamshell. So kind of the standard, you know, children's feature white clamshell. And then I looked at the the animation, you know, that is featured on the cover and it is out of focus. It is blurry. It was obviously printed on like an early nineties, somebody's printer, you know, <laughs> and, and it says Mike Stribling's the tale of Tilly's dragon. What? Okay. And so there, there's a guy with a, you know, a knight with a sword pointed out. There's a little blue dragon. There's a little girl, there's some evil looking guys. And so it, on the back, it just says this irresistible heart tingling story is destined to be a family entertainment classic. You're like, yeah, but it's only 45 minutes. And no. it's, <laughs> from 1995 and it is so bizarre but also it says award winner film what? advisory board award of excellence so it has this little gold sticker and then when i open on the inside you can hear me opening it here like again the label on the tape is also printed on somebody's <laughs> printer and this one says it's 1997 so they were said to get out later transfer date 41297 not final color corrected copy and when you watch it, it's got the timestamp on the bottom throughout the whole 45 minutes. So I don't know like what this was for. Like, this is the type of thing. I wish I was buying this at a garage sale so I could ask the history of this tape. Who needed this tape? Why did they keep it all these years? And what was the purpose of setting out the non-color corrected copy? They just, they had to get it in their hands, you know? Yeah, it's like a screener oh copy or, you know, like, yeah. uh, sounds when, like it. when uh, movies are up for awards or something, they send out copies to you know, to people to, for their yeah. consideration. And it, and it won an award. It says so right on the front. It's got the sticker. So I guess it worked. You know, this looks like one of those tapes that if you were, and I've made this comparison before on like uh, other, uh, on a couple podcasts, if you're like going through like Home Depot and they have like those cheap, like not even dollar store VHS of like, yeah. you know, this looks like it. However, if you look at the cast, my gosh, you got Kath Soshi. You got Russie Taylor, you got Frank Welker, and you got John Cassier. Yeah. That cast is... Uh, do you know how many cartoons would give anything just to have all the, the, the those four? To just have yeah. Frank Welker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, sure Frank Welker know... just did the, the little dragon, because he's got to do the weird creature voice. Oh, of voice. course right. he does. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it's it's one of those That's things where wild. you look at what the guy, this Mike Stribling guy, like mm -hmm. he worked on that heavy metal animated film, you know, oh, like for that, the yep. one, the, the gal who's on the cover riding the winged dragon thing. Yep. Like he oh, I think we all segment. remember that movie for sure. <laughs> for so, many yeah. reasons. But yeah, so anyway, so that, I, I love just having that little piece of odd history. And if I ever run into Mike Stribling or one of his <laughs> associates, I will ask what, what went on here. But wow. like we've been talking about, guys. We're not the only ones these days who are interested in the world of VHS. There, there is a VHS fever, and uh -huh. the only cure is more videotapes. All right, everybody wants them. When I'm done, you're all going to be wearing gold diapers. All right, but anyway. <laughs> but it's so weird because during the pandemic, like as the prices on all kinds of vintage collectibles have just skyrocketed, 
but video cassette tapes in particular, which were traditionally like there was a subset of us who were looking for them. And, you know, horror VHS has always been a big ticket item. But now for some unknown reason, the market has sprung up for almost any sealed copy of even a run of the mill movie. It's going to command a pretty penny. Okay. And so what, what have you noticed about this, Chad, as you've been checking out the prices and what's going on? I've noticed that people have way too much time and money on their hands and that they should probably just delete an eBay app or Mercury <laughs> app off their phone because uh, it's, it's no longer the era of the $5,000 Disney black diamond. Ooh, it's a black diamond oh, tape, thank goodness. You know, but, but it's gone out of control. Listen to this. Okay. So mm-hmm. these are just from this last month or so, some of the prices that I found. All right. So a sealed copy of a nightmare on Elm street Four, the dream master sold for $500 which is high but again it's still understandable for that rabid horror fan base you know like that that happens you know Hmm. people want to have a sealed copy of this movie okay yeah (laughs) but but yeah but yeah you're like it's still kind of crazy if people pay it then other people think that they now have to raise the prices on their tapes oh my gosh and it gets worse because then you know that becomes a the set price for all these tapes and yeah. you know and like we've said there is no beckett guide for vhs there's no you know <laughs> blueprint of what you're meant to sell you're you, you know there's no real way to determine just what the market is willing to pay exactly yeah. and you know we were talking about media home entertainment earlier media home entertainment for those who you know may not know they were like the shout factory of its day they had the rights and they were just dis- you know distributing all the big horror movies, all the canon movies, yep. you know, they did a lot of uh, not even like non movies. Like they did like uh, a couple weird events here and there, like a Fangoria's weekend of horror. Mm-hmm. And so like fans do have a very special place and there is a very big cult following for media home entertainment. I get it. But, and even in the, in the case of nightmare on Elm street four, people are going to want the most pristine copy of a tape that they can find you know, it's like being a comic book collector and you want the mm-hmm. most, you know, perfect copy and what better way than to get a sealed copy. But the price, I mean, $500 for. Yeah. Well, the it, weird it, thing it's, is it's it, unusual. Yeah. It's starting to cross over. Like we say to those who don't have such a high profile to like the more obscure stuff, but stuff that mm-hmm. traditionally nobody cared about. Like Jeff Goldblum started a TV movie version of the legend of sleepy hollow in the eighties before he was famous. I have mm-hmm. multiple copies here on my shelf. Cause they're just, they are common, right? Uh, yeah. But for some reason, a sealed copy just sold for $1,800 How much? more than a Freddy Krueger film. Like three times more. Yeah, $1,800 it just sold for. I get that people love Jeff Goldblum, and I wonder if like that's kind of the the yeah. main reason that people are doing that, because it's one of his earliest roles, but that tape was just so, like you said, it's so con- I think I even sent you like one or two in a trade Yeah, I before. think I got one of them from you, and then the yeah. other one I found at the video store. Yeah, so it's just like, it's like a star maker or something. Yeah. Now on the other side, you know, again, speaking of, you know, what's in the zeitgeist, right. That can inform the price of the Mm. tape. So former Saturday night live comedian, you know, the very funny Norm Macdonald passed away recently. Very sad. 
but a sealed copy of his cult classic film dirty work which i saw in theaters i've had my vhs copy for years mm-hmm. it just sold for 125 dollars when this is a movie that nobody cared about you know like yeah, like the, the, yeah the, mm-hmm. the the cult following like i say but that was kind of a small audience just to add to that point that that was like an 80s movie made in the 90s yeah you definitely could easily see like yeah you could see steve gutenberg starring in that now here's <laughs> here's my issue with that whereas like i don't think there's a copy of sleepy hollow out on blu-ray there is a blu-ray and a dvd edition of dirty work right. I, I i don't know how easy they are to find I love Norm Macdonald and I, I really did enjoy Dirty Work, but you know, that, that, that was just a movie that I never really felt the need to have on any form. Uh, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that you would want a sealed VHS copy and pay $120 for, you know, a movie that you can probably easily find on Blu-ray and DVD. Yeah, like, well, it, it, that's what's weird because, like, you know, for example, like after that, I said that's one hundred twenty-five dollars. Like, I have a sealed copy of the Rocketeer that I traded oh to dear. my Wizards co-host uh, Stephen mm-hmm. Sapel. So I was like, the Rocketeer has got to be like double that, right? It's selling for like thirty bucks. A sealed yeah. copy of the Rocketeer, and I was like, weird. I, I, I would feel like that's more beloved. But then also, <laughs> if you look at these again, these movies that just were totally ignored for all these years, a mm-hmm. sealed copy of Bulletproof, starring fellow. <laughs> SNL alumni Adam Sandler and David Wayans that is selling for $50 that is a 50 cent movie I'll give you a dollar maybe for a sealed mm-hmm. copy but I don't really care about that movie $50 I mean that no, is wow. ridiculous yeah. for bulletproof <laughs> nobody saw that when it came out to begin with oh and by the way <laughs> they just did a DVD or straight to either streaming or yeah I think it's straight to streaming um sequel to that with um the the real David Wayans son no, no, oh. it was um oh I can't remember his name. He's a real tall, larger gentleman. Oh, I can't remember his name. Is it Faison Love? And um the weird uh skinny, creepy guy from Parks and Rec that like worked <laughs> in the sewage department. He he's playing Adam Sandler's role and wow it like takes place in like Australia or something. And I saw the trailer for it because I got sent it. And I was like, I, 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 what, what do you even do with this? Anything like, could get a sequel now. Are you an existing property? Yeah. You will get a sequel. That is crazy. Now, here's the weird thing. Like, you know, you brought up, you found your copy of Batman 89. You just left. You didn't need mm-hmm. it. So I have a sealed copy of Batman Returns that I got for 50 mm. cents, like last year, year before. It's now selling for $250. <sighs> Okay. Wow. Well, first off, it's got Michael Keaton. So yeah, I, the <laughs> fact that it's not worth $15,000 is beyond my <laughs> comprehension. You know, we're, I mean, next year is going to be the 30th anniversary of that movie. And, right. but I can't, I can't justify that. I really just can't. No. I mean, I can't justify any Again, the commonality between these films. There's so many that are just so commonality is not the right word for that scenario, but the common nature <laughs> of those films, like that is ridiculous. Now this is the big one though, guys, oh, no. this is the big one. When you talk about mass distribution, we talk about just oversaturation of the market of this tape and how it has gone up. So what is happening beyond just people having a sealed copy is now people are getting the VHS tape sealed in hard plastic and graded professionally, which Uh traditionally was mostly for comic books. And then it started getting into action figures and now it's VHS tapes Uh and you pay a lot of money to get it graded so that you could sell it for even more money. 
is how that works. And so a 9.0 graded copy, uh, for those who don't know, the grading is out of 10. So an, a nine grade copy of the first live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film just sold this last week for $28,500. I, I don't understand. Did this? How many houses wow. does this person own that they could spend $28,500 on a Ninja Turtles movie that I see every time I go to Goodwill? I have multiple copies myself just because there are some random variations. But that is a 25-cent <sighs> film for how easy it is to get your hands on a copy of Ninja Turtles. All right. Who's editing this episode? Is it you, Jason? <laughs> it's me, yeah. Okay, I'm giving you a heads up right now. Seriously, what the f*** is going on here? I, I'm sorry. I, I, I know you're going to edit that out, but <laughs> what the hell? Like, I just saw a graded copy of the very first Super Mario Brothers, or it was either the first or the second. And it went for like hundred, like at least close to a hundred thousand. Oh yeah, the video games. That's out. Oh jeez, yeah. yeah. We're not even gonna get into that. But I, 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 Ninja Nuts. Turtles, Ninja Turtles ninety is a fantastic movie. It still holds up. Yeah, I love that movie with all my heart and soul. I did a uh, podcast episode on it. Plug plug for the horror movie barbecue, which is <laughs> you can check out on iTunes. And um, you know, it's a great movie, but. Like you said, I mean, how many copies did New Line Cinema put out for that movie? Because it was such a big success. Every kid in the country had a copy. And on top of that, like you said, they re-released it multiple times with multiple covers. Yeah, you the got the black got... background. You got the green background. Oh. You got whatever. Yeah, it's just like it's it's easy to find in whatever variation. Yeah. But it's just like the, the problem is now for us as collectors, it used to be our niche thing that we got to do. But now that people hear about this stuff, now they're out there trying to, you know, grab up all the tapes that to us would actually just mean something, you know, for the sentimentality. Yeah. And so it's it's really sad. I, I just hope that that fades quickly and that we're because really what you have to do now is you have to be like us. You have to hit up the Goodwill. You have to go to the thrift stores. Mm -hmm. You have to look up those listings for what somebody mm -hmm. has in their garage, because otherwise, yeah, you're going to pay ridiculous amounts. Yeah. Even and for the stuff that's not graded, people see, you know, somebody on eBay sees that the copy went for a thousand bucks yeah, graded. Geez. You're like, well, this must be worth more now. And mm -hmm. I'm going to hike up my price on this. So mm -hmm. it sucks. And you always hope that these are like isolated situations. Maybe someone somewhere out there is, you know, like you said, they apparently have like 18 Ferraris and like 47 <laughs> houses all over the country, but there's no logic. Like there's no, like I said, there's no Beckett guide. It's just all based off fan and, uh, you know, eBay sales. So yeah, how the heck does... Ninja Turtles go for what did you say? Twenty eight thousand five hundred. Twenty eight thousand dollars. Yes. Oh, I mean that's just pocket change. Sure. Well, I guys, I, I think we got to get past our our frustration of the current yeah. times and go back to the good old days. Let's have some yes. heartwarming nostalgia. Let's welcome it, it all in. So Jason mm -hmm. recently found some vintage newspaper articles and and ads for video stores of yesteryear. He's gonna walk us through these historic documents. They're so cool. Yeah, so just me fooling around. Google has its own newspaper archive now, and they might have for years, but I only recently discovered it, you know, probably within the last year. And uh, just mainly searching for old ads and just fun things that it, mainly in newspapers that I grew up around and uh, seeing stores that I 
you know, like hills. We're always talking about hills on the time machine. Love those old ads. But so I'm I'm digging through here and then uh, just out of a whim, I start searching uh, VHS, VCR, video stores, these kind of things and found some really fun stories. So I'm going to share a few of these. Hopefully I won't uh, uh, crash our session here as I share them to you again. Let's see, which one did I want to do first? Okay, it's I want to do better this than my Google searches. They usually just consist of Linda Carter and Yvonne Craig. So <laughs> you're, you're already much, much smarter and more behaved than I am. <laughs> so the first story is called Cashing In on the Videotape Craze. And I'm just going to read through this so everybody can kind of get a feel for it. It's Friday night, traffic's bad, parking's impossible, and the line at the cinema's too long. So you swing by the video library, quote unquote, for a movie to go. That's entertainment, home style, and it's the trend that's spreading. Millions of movie cassettes estimated range from 4 million to 100 million. That's pretty wide range. Were rented last year. An estimated 5,000 video specialty stores have sprung up to cater to the growing business. I can't remember which newspaper I pulled this from, but it must be in California. At Captain Video, a San Francisco-based chain of five stores, executives say that up to 1,500 movie cassettes are rented out each weekend for a few dollars each. The company's 1,400 selections offer more choice than even the biggest theater-studded city. So they're slamming on the, the theaters now. They range from recent releases such as Mommy Dearest to blue adult films to bloody horror movies and strange oldies like the 1938 all midget or all little people, we should say now, Terror of Tiny Town. So they're kind of hyping up the uh, the rental store chains and they go through the interviewing the owners here. They say that the secret of their success has been decreasing prices of videotape recorders and america's love the new gadgets of course plus service and catchy promotions the videotape recorder i love how they called it that a device that can record television programs and play videotape films on the tv screen was a frill a luxury item when it first hit the market it still isn't a necessity but because it's getting cheaper it's becoming an attractive frill you know for consumers so I'm not going to go too much far uh, into that, but it talks about just how you're uh, essentially taking over your TV and controlling what entertainment comes to your home. Uh, just take a guess at what year this was published, the story. I'm going to say 86. I'm going to say 85. 1982. Was when Ooh. this was published. Yeah. So I just thought it was for both off. It was uh <laughs> interesting. They're just they're starting, or at least it's the first dialogue, you know, talking about controlling what you can watch on your TV. Uh okay, breaking news for you guys. I just looked up Captain Video. It oh. is still in business, oh, but wow. it has moved. 2837 South El Camino Real in San Mateo, California. It says here that Ira Belfour has owned and operated Captain Video in San Mateo for 25 years. Captain Video has a wide selection of new release titles, classic films, and adult movies. So he is keeping it alive. Guys, we got to get this guy on for an interview. Oh my gosh. We got to find old Ira. What was his name? Ira what? Ira Belfour? Let me check here again. I'm trying to see who was uh, 
tagged here Ooh. in the story. There Iowa is Belfer. a Belfer. There okay. is a photo of the store, and it looks like everything you want it to be. By yes. the way, oh, anyway. oh my gosh! <laughs> so I, I want to go fun. here. Yeah, I'd like to go there too. I just thought it was fun. You know, here it is, 1982, and they're talking about something that's relevant now with all the streaming options you know kind of taking control of your tv and what you can watch now to uh all the way you know 30 almost 40 years ago now wow well and check this Incredible. out by the way they just had a sidewalk sale vhs oh. tapes one dollar back room vhs tapes no box art one dollar oh well, so. i think we know what tapes those are <laughs> i think it's safe to guess yes but oh, fantastic wow. that that still exists man yeah no kidding all right, let me uh, let me share another one with you guys. You can't get over this, Captain. But hey, hey, can I just can I just say I'm sorry, Jason. I know it's shocking that I'm you know going off topic, but just the name Captain Video. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm pretty sure that was an old television series in the 50s, yes. which is fantastic yeah, that they pulled that out. I love and that. And the fact that I mean, you look at the signage for for anyone who's listening, you guys really need to check, like Google this place. You know what? We should just call the place right now and just yeah. uh, check in with them. Try, yeah. Well, hey, I, what's I'm up? flying out to California next oh. week. It's only six hours. I think I might make the drive. If they're well, are, oh, okay. wow. I know you're joking, but when else are you going to be out in California? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. This might be yes. the time. I got a little bit of time. I get in, you know, midday. <laughs> Let's take a drive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I got a couple more here for you. Let's let's keep rolling. The next newspaper article is called The Great Debate Over Video Cassette Rentals. And this was also from 1982. So it starts out a controversy is raging in the video rental business and it's just beginning to affect the video consumer. Industry insiders called this the great rental debate and you can get a glimpse of some of its effects the next time you visit your neighborhood video store. Walk into a big video store today and you'll see that buying or renting a pre-recorded video cassette is no longer as simple as it used to be. This is from 1982, okay? <laughs> so, you know, how hard can it be? Uh, you'll probably find some cassettes that are for sale, not for rent, and others are for rent, not for sale rental only this week but offered either rent or for sale next week or tomorrow so they're talking about how this is kind of you know confusing as you're walking in not knowing if you can buy or rent it all this confusion can be traced back to a simple cause video retailers have discovered over the past few years that you can earn more money by renting out video cassettes than you can by selling them and most video customers have decided that they would rather rent movies than to buy them and at this state of uh, the video store rental, that's estimated to be a margin of 10 to one that they prefer renting versus buying. Now, this was fun. I, you guys know a little bit more about the history probably than I do, but the studios categorized their cassettes when retailers would go and buy them. So three studios, Columbia Paramount and MCA Universal, they just raised their prices on the video cassettes to compensate for what they feel they're losing by renting them out each time instead of getting the purchase price, you know? So they raised the prices to the retailers. That's why we hear these prices of like 80, 90, hundred dollars for a tape back in the day, because that was for essentially rental purposes. Now, Walt Disney, their plan was slightly more complicated. Disney put some of its cassettes in rental only packages and packs others boxes marked for sale 
And while Disney movies can be either rented or sold to the customer, some are leased to the dealer. Leased to the dealer. Wow. For rental only and must eventually be returned to the studio. I thought that was crazy that they would have to, they, you know, rent it for a year and then have to return the tape back to Walt Disney. I mean, uh, wow. Uh, just never had heard a thing. And then the last part of this article is where uh, Warner has, well, Warner and 20th Century Fox have put these tapes into categories. So there is the A and B movies that you can't sell to anybody, but your dealer can rent them out because they're the newer releases. Then you got the C category, which is you can either buy or rent. And depending on what category those are in, I assume they were priced differently, you know, to the dealer. So what do you guys make of this? Did you know about that as far as the categorization of all the movies to the, the retailers? Yes. I did. Yeah, I mean, th- those are fascinating details that, you know, I've, I've heard, obviously, of the controversy surrounding, you know, the studios getting worried about video rentals and all that. But I didn't know the different programs they were trying to institute to yeah. somehow keep the cash you know, flowing to them or reduce the amount of cash they would lose when they did decide to sell to the public or whatever. So that's wild. The one story, and I'm actually going to credit another podcast, uh, a former and I, i've mentioned him before former wrestling writer and uh he's a current podcaster right now but uh his name is vince russo he actually started a video store i think on long island i i can't even remember the name of it but there was an interview he had on WrestleCrap radio in 2010 where they talk about how he used to run the store and what he was able to sell and he always it, it, the one thing that stuck out in my mind was he would say, I'd buy a tape from like, I don't remember the exact studio, but let, let's just use Warner Brothers. He could buy a tape from Warner Brothers for like 50 or 60 bucks, and he'd probably like break even in, a you know, maybe a week or two. But the interesting part about this is the, shall we say, the blue label tapes, mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, the he, he could buy those for like 10 bucks from whoever whoever sold it to him and he would just make his money back on that so yeah yeah those were the greatest profit makers for sure yeah Yeah. i'm sure to some people that sounds crazy to some people it 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 doesn't sound too far-fetched we Um, hear a lot about that in season two this time around just how much income (laughs) those tapes brought into these stores yes and uh those it's it's so it's so fascinating to hear the you know like you said it's so fascinating to hear the process of the early video store sales and rentals and just what would make the money and what wouldn't uh you know like you said i gotta be honest i've never heard the disney the where they would actually make you send it back after like a a year or so so that's that's a new wrinkle that's that's very fascinating to me Okay, well, I've got one more to uh, pass along to you guys, and this one's really fun. This one's about the VCRs themselves and how they were impacting the market. And this is relevant in nowadays when you're talking about these movies that are coming up on streaming services at the same time as they're in theaters. So uh, this one is an article from 1986, a few years later now. VCRs taking entertainment industry by storm. It starts out 10 years ago, Sony introduced the first video cassette recorder to the American market. Since then, prices have dropped from over $2,000 to less than $200. So this is 1986. 
and the VCRs have invaded homes across the country. The history of VCRs has been marked by turmoil in recent years. Although Sony was the first company to sell VCRs in America, their beta format has lagged behind the rival VHS in popularity and now accounts for around 25% of the U.S. market. So by 86, this is where Betamax is starting to come off uh, the market. But an interesting footnote to the VCR invasion is the rise of video clubs, quote unquote. Businessmen are now taking advantage of the fact that consumers are unwilling to pay as much as $100 to purchase a movie they may watch only occasionally. So many enterprising merchants have convinced the public to pay $10 to $40 in a membership fee and effect an interest-free loan to join a video club, and then they pay around $3 to rent a movie for the evening. As a result, the only category of pre-recorded tapes that sell well directly to the consumers are exercise tapes. <laughs> the most notable, of course, being the Jane Fonda series of workout tapes. So movie industry executives have tried to blame the recent poor box office receipts on VCRs. And the executives claim that moviegoers no longer want to leave home to watch a film. Instead, they will wait until the movie comes on cable TV or is available on pre-recorded tapes and watch them then. Many industry observers discount this theory and blame lagging attendance on the recent dearth of interesting films. <laughs> what? So, uh, yeah interesting i thought that was funny but it was, uh, like, it's just crazy how like you know history repeats itself uh-huh. and i think that like ultimately what it comes down to is the same people that were gonna buy the vhs tape were gonna spend the 200 bucks when it was 200 bucks or they were gonna spend the 20 bucks when it went down to 20 bucks it's the it's almost the same group and same with this it's like the people that want to go to the theater are always going to go to the theater mm-hmm. the people who want to watch it on tv or, or you know can't afford to buy a movie ticket every weekend they're gonna wait for it they're gonna buy it or rent it you know so it's just like the the argument is is always kind of funny to me because it's just like it's it's Mm -hmm. there's there's the rabid fan base for movies in the theater and then there's the rabid fan base for those who just say no i can wait yeah it's a it's a 35 year old argument i mean going back to this just to finish out that article oddly enough some films that do poorly in their initial theatrical release wind up doing surprisingly well on tapes the mean season i'm not familiar with this one a thriller released last spring quickly vanished from theaters but when released on video the mean season did quite well last summer's perfect don't know that one either seems to be following the same trend. It seems that viewers are willing to gamble on unknown films in the privacy of their own home where they can fast forward through the dull passages. <laughs> All right. But anyway, I just thought that was really oh, but By the way, Jason, just so you know, Perfect is a Jamie Lee Curtis aerobics film. Oh, John Travolta. Uh, gosh. Like, yeah. It, that, it is that, one. yeah <laughs> that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The one that we've seen that image of him dancing yeah. with her. Yeah. All across the web. Okay, but I just thought that was interesting, and I've got more that we'll say for maybe another time that I pulled from the newspaper, some on adult films, some on libraries versus Mm -hmm. rental stores. That's pretty interesting and how they were affecting the rental market. So we'll keep those on the back burner. 
So, uh, well, you know, now that we've gotten you excited about the world of VHS collecting, about the history of VHS rentals, remembering that classic experience, let us give you a preview of what's to come this season as we introduce you to our video heroes. Hi, my name's Joe Corey. I worked at the Video Plaza on Kildare Farms Road in Cary, North Carolina, next to Raleigh, North Carolina. And I lasted there somewhere between 1993 and 1994. Hey guys, thanks for having me on the show. This is Brian. I am here to talk about my memories of uh, working at a place called Hollywood Video in a suburb of the Boston area from about 1998 to 2000. Hey, this is Matthew Corey. I worked at the Video Bar in Cary, North Carolina back in uh, the summer of 1993 and 94. Hi, my name is Mark DeWitt from Holland, Michigan. I was a operator for 10 Blockbuster stores from 1989 to 1992. My name is Colin Fitzpatrick. I worked at the Mission Viejo, California location of Blockbuster Video in 2003. My name is W. Axel Foley, also known as Bill or Billy Foley, and I worked at the greatest video store ever in existence, World of Video at 51 Greenwich Avenue in Manhattan from 2001 until 2007. Hey, this is William Lanham, and uh, I worked at Blockbuster from 2005 to 2009 in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi, I'm Bob O'Rourke. I worked at Premier Video in Clinton, New Jersey and Princeton, New Jersey from 2000 to 2007. I'm Brandon Myers and I worked at Blockbuster Video in Millington, Tennessee from February 2001 to the end of 2002. My name is Alan Smith. I'm in Madison, Tennessee. I worked for Movie Gallery from May of 1998 until May of 1999. All right, guys, so I got to tell you that season two is, you, you might think, oh, all these video rental employees, they have the same experience. They did not. I think we saw a good variety last time around of people who worked at a Blockbuster versus people who worked, you know, at a mom and pop shop. This time around, it's even more varied, I feel, because we even have somebody who went on to work like majorly for Blockbuster Video in like their distribution markets. Oh, wow. So you're going to get some real behind the scenes stuff. We have people who worked in major hot spots of video rentals in New York City who were interacting with celebrities like the people Ooh. in the movies they were then renting the movies to those directors and actors I mean there, there's just so much to go on here we even have a dynasty of brothers who all worked at video stores but just different stores in their same town like it's, it's a fascinating group that we pulled together so we really appreciate everybody who listened in the first episode and said love the show can I be on it because I've got some stories <laughs> you're gonna hear them guys Looking All right. to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a great one. Buckle but, uh, up, everyone. In the meantime, as you get ready for those episodes to drop, let's tell the folks where they can find us so they can stay connected over the next few weeks. So, Jason, where do they find you? Well, uh, for the purposes of this podcast, you can find me at TRN Social on Twitter. And the Retro Network, Facebook, Instagram, we're all going to be uh, I'm, I'm going to be adding episodes and links there. And hopefully we can get some pictures. I don't know if you reached out to each one or, or asked them, Adam, to uh, send us some uh, some old photos. We did that last year, and those were a real trip, too, to 
to yeah, combine. Yeah, we definitely with the, have a few that will be heroes. coming down the pipeline for sure. Okay, well, just make sure you're tuned into the Retro Network and uh, TRN Social on your favorite social app, and uh, we'll get you some uh, fun pictures as well to go with the season. How about you, Chad? Find me at horrormoviebarbecue.com whenever I update it, which, you know, admittedly isn't as much as I want to, but that's okay because you can always find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at Horror Movie Barbecue. I'm always uh, trying to start a fun conversation, post some goofy stuff, and, uh, you know, always, always having that fun, nostalgic conversation going. So check me out. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Hoju Coolander, H-O-J-U-K-O-O-L-A-N-D-E-R. Even I have a hard time spelling it, <laughs> but that is what it is. Um, and so I'm often posting my latest VHS finds because I try to get out as often as I can to the thrift stores. Uh, so I want to leave you with this little fun bit of history here. Again, when I'm collecting, sometimes I spot something and I just, I buy it for the joke. I'm like, I can make a joke by putting two videos together. We recently this year celebrated the 30th anniversary of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Of My course, the, yeah, it's fantastic. I loved it when I saw it in theaters and I loved renting it over and over again. So mm-hmm. I have my VHS copy of that. You know, we have the Grim Reaper in there is just uh, a, a quote machine. And at one point they are in heaven playing charades with Station and Ben Franklin and whoever else. And they're trying to guess what, what movie are they talking about? And the Grim Reaper blurts out, Butch and Sundance, the early years. <laughs> and I found a copy of Butch and Sundance, the early days is actually the name of the movie. So he was close enough. But I, I, I have no, now those two tapes on my shelf together, just because it delights me nice. to no end to have that joke. <laughs> was that with William Cat? Yes, William okay. Cat, Tom Berger. That That's right. right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this preview episode of Rental Return Season 2. And until next time, we'll see you at the video store. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.